Love it. Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Oh, everything I need. This is our prayer this morning. Christ is enough for me. Oh, Jesus Christ is enough for me. Oh, everything I need is in you. Everything I need. I think our denomination officially became a denomination. It was like 1927, I think we heard the other day with Amy Simple McPherson. I thought about her when we were singing that song. All of those people who were broken and needing a miracle, a touch in their life, who found healing, who found salvation uh, in her ministry and the ministry of so many back in the 1920s and 30s and 40s, all that they walked through in those decades, and yet they found in the midst of the chaos, they found life in Jesus. And, and as we were singing, I was, I was just thinking, we're joining with a chorus of saints that declare, I have decided, come on, to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. There's a choir of saints. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Can we get a big amen for that? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, hey, to get going here, we've done this a few times at Live Spring. I wanted to bring it back today. There's a song by Harry Connick Jr. He's one of my favorite artists. He, he sings a song that says, You didn't know me when. And the whole idea is you have a story and there's things that I used to do or I once was, but you just don't know some of those things. And yet, I want to get to know you. Like, I don't have a picture here, but any of you guys know that uh, Bob May used to raise, uh, race motorcycles? Anybody know that? Well, if you didn't know that, now you know it. I mean, he raced the, like the ones where you like were, I can't do it here, but like when you're on the side, you know, kind of like this with your knee touching the ground. That was Bob May. Did you know him when? But we got a couple of for you today. You didn't know Grace Nagy... When she showed the dairy cow at the county fair. Come on. And here's the exciting news. Guess what? Grace, did you win? She won the county fair prize. Blue ribbon. You didn't know David Messinger win 1968. He was playing hockey. Come on, David Messinger. 1968. Wayne Crexy before there was Wayne Crexy. So I want to do that a few more times this year. If you have a picture of yourself or a picture of somebody that you love, maybe next to you, that you're like, oh, I got a doozy for you. Would you please send that to me? And I think uh, this year, let's do that a few times. Because I want us to get to know each other a little bit more, be able to get to know uh, a little bit more about each other. So today we're heading into the conclusion of the book of Luke. 
Some of you are like, about time. But <laughs> I just want to encourage you, we are moving fast through the book of Luke. We're going to be done, actually, right around the time of Easter. It's wild because our reading plan right now is the book of Luke. And we're right at the end of Luke uh, in the next couple of days. But I want to encourage you, go ahead, open up right now to Luke chapter 18. Uh, Luke 18, we're going to conclude starting in verse 31. Now, before we read that scripture today, I want to show us a video. In this video, the reality is we're tracking a journey right now. It's somewhere in the middle of Luke 9 through uh, Luke 19, the middle of Luke 19. There's this grand journey that Jesus takes from Galilee all the way to Jerusalem. And I want to show us a video just to kind of get us back on track of where we're at in this journey from Luke 9 to Luke 19. Let's watch the video and then I'll come back up and we'll get it going. The Gospel of Luke opened with the birth of Jesus. Then Luke showed us how Jesus was Israel's Messiah announcing the good news of God's kingdom to the poor and how he was God's true prophet to Israel. In this next section, Jesus sets out with his disciples on a long road trip to Jerusalem where they'll join thousands of Israelites to celebrate the ancient feast of Passover. Now, Luke wants this road trip from the mountain to Jerusalem to remind you of ancient Israel's long road trip. With Moses, they went from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land. And then later, King David established Jerusalem as their capital. And so here, Luke is portraying Jesus as a new Moses, who's renewing Israel's covenant with God, and as a new David. He's gathering the people together to live under his rule. As Jesus leaves, he sends out a wave of his followers ahead of him to prepare each new place for his visit. Then Jesus would arrive, announcing the good news of God's kingdom, and he would call people to follow him and join this new thing God was doing in Israel. There are many of his teachings and parables in this section, specifically about how following Jesus will force you to totally rethink your money, how you resolve conflict, and how you treat the poor. In every town, Jesus would create communities of people who were learning to live in a totally new way, so that greed would be transformed into generosity and anger into forgiveness. And in these Jesus communities, all outsiders are welcome. Yeah, good news for the poor. That's one of Luke's main themes. Yeah, you'll find it all over this section. The marginalized people that he heals, the shamed sex workers he reaches out to, the tax collectors he includes. This is Jesus' kingdom crew. And Israel's religious leaders watch and start to criticize him. If he really is God's prophet, why is he welcoming sinners and eating with them? Yeah, this section reads like the battle of the banquets. So Jesus throws these dinner parties as a symbol of how God's kingdom is here for the sick and the poor, people who could never pay him back. Jesus also attends banquets with Israel's religious leaders. Yeah, and he lays into them for becoming an arrogant, exclusive social club. But they don't get it, and so he tells them a famous parable that goes like this. There was a father who had two sons. The older son is trustworthy and honors his father. And the younger son, he's a mess. He rebels and cashes in his inheritance to travel far away and blow it all on partying and being stupid. And then there's a famine in the land, and he runs out of money. So he has to scrape by by taking care of somebody's pigs. And he's so hungry he wants to eat the pig slop, at which point it occurs to him, if I'm going to be a farmhand, I might as well go home and work for my dad. At least I won't be eating pig food. So he treks back home, rehearsing his apology. Now, the father is certain that his son did not survive the famine. But then, one day, he sees someone walking down the road. It's his son. He's not dead. And so the father runs to him and embraces his son, kissing him all over. The son starts his speech. Dad, I don't deserve to be your son. Maybe I could come and work for you 
But before he can finish, the father calls his servants to go get the nicest robe, new sandals, a fancy ring for his son. They are to prepare the best food for a banquet. It is time to celebrate. Now later that day, the older brother arrives from a long day working in the field to discover his long-lost loser brother has come home. And they're celebrating? And he gets angry. And think about it. He's been faithful to his father all of these years. He never got a party like this. And then this disgrace of a family member comes home and they're going to celebrate him it's disgusting he refuses to join the banquet so the father finds the older brother outside and he says son you are already in our family everything i have is yours but we had to celebrate your brother because he was lost and now he's found he was dead but now he's alive Jesus wants the religious leaders to see the outsiders the way God sees them, as sons and daughters that are being reclaimed from death. Jesus' kingdom community was wide open to anybody. The only entry requirement is to humble yourself and recognize your need for God's mercy. And so the religious leader's rejection of Jesus and his crew is actually a rejection of the God of Israel. The leaders don't like all this, and so as Jesus' road trip comes to an end, the conflict is at a boiling point. Yeah, he's going to ride towards Jerusalem. Jerusalem for Passover as they plot to take his life. And that's what the next section of Luke is all about. All right, I love it. Uh, he says, I don't know if you caught this, he said, Jesus' kingdom community is wide open to anybody. Praise the Lord. He says, the only entry requirement is to humble yourself and recognize your need for God's mercy. Praise the Lord. With that in mind, let's jump into today, verse 31. Jesus, he takes the 12 aside. Who are the 12, by the way? His disciples, yeah. He takes the 12 aside. He says, we're going to Jerusalem, going up. Everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. Who's he talking about, by the way? Who's the Son of Man? Him, yeah, right? Uh, He will be delivered over to Gentiles. They will mock him. They will insult him. They will spit on him. They will flog him. They will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise Again, the disciples, they did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them. They did not know what he was talking about. All right, so the journey, like we just read uh, or just watched, Galilee all the way to Jerusalem. Again, this is Luke chapter 9 through Luke chapter 19. Here we are in Luke chapter 18. So we are nearing the end of this journey. And at least, at least for the third time, At least for the third time, Jesus, what does he do? He predicts his death. Now, if you remember, you you probably don't, but if you go all the way back to Luke chapter 9, before Jesus resolutely sets off for Jerusalem, uh, he first predicts his death. And let's go ahead and put that up on the screen. Luke 9, verse 22. He says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, be rejected by the chief priests, be rejected by the teachers of the law, and he must be killed on the third day. To be, and, uh, and on the third day, be raised to life. And then we're told eight days later, there's a scene, your Bible might say it, in fact, there might be a little heading if you have your Bible open, that it says eight days later there was a scene called the Mount of Transfiguration. Anybody's Bible or your smartphone maybe says that. Well, let's read about that. So he takes some of his disciples, he takes Peter, he takes John, he takes James, and they go up onto a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, I mean, this is incredible, his appearance of his face, it changes. And his clothes, they become so bright. Is it like a flash 
of lightning and two men appear. And, and not just any two men, but it's Moses, it's Elijah, and they appeared in glorious splendor. And now they're talking to Jesus, talking with Jesus. Like, can you imagine this scene? Like, you got Elijah, you got Moses, you got Jesus, and they're talking. Well, what are they talking about? Well, you see in the very next verse, 31, they spoke about, they were discussing what his departure, Jesus' departure, which he was going to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. And then Jesus predicts his death again. Right after delivering this boy from a demon, I think it's in verse 44, you see uh, Jesus says this, Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. And he says it again, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. And in today's passage, Luke 18, Jesus does it again. He predicts his death. I mention all of that, and I spend time to explain some of that today to give you confidence today. Because I think there's a way of talking about Jesus that's really popular in today's culture. I've heard it, but I just want you to hear this, is that just isn't true. It's the idea that Jesus was a good man. He was just a good man teaching some good stories. He, he was a good teacher teaching some good morals, but then, you know, some bad men came in and they killed him. So the idea, this is actually how a lot of people think about Jesus, and that's being passed on by our culture. It's just, you know what, you know, Jesus, he was a good man. Remember Jesus. Remember, what, what do you remember about Jesus? Just remember, like, the good stories. He, he said, be nice to your parents, right? Just remember the good morals of Jesus. Oh, and then what a shame that those bad men came in and they killed Jesus. Remember. Life spring. Remember, if you're watching online, if you're on our Facebook, if you're on our website, remember today. Listen. Jesus knew what he was doing. He wasn't accidentally killed by some bad men. He wasn't at the wrong place at the wrong time. Jesus knew what heading to Jerusalem meant for him. He knew at his baptism, right, when the Father said, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. He knew on that mountain, as he's talking to Elijah and talking to Moses, he knew as he communicated with his disciples, predicting his death again and again and again. Jesus knew. In fact, in the Gospel of John, Jesus, he, he says that he willingly gives up his life. Look at John chapter 10, verse 18. This is Jesus speaking. I want this to give you confidence today, church. He says, no, no one can take my life from me. I sacrificed it voluntarily. I want that to bring us confidence, church. Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew the trip from Galilee to Jerusalem would cost him his life, but he did it willingly. He did it voluntarily. Why? For his Father's kingdom, right? For his Father's name, for his Father's glory, for his passion for his Father, but also because of his passion and his love for you. Can you receive that today, church? Be encouraged by Jesus' passion for his Father and his passion for you. And then with that in mind, let's keep reading. Verse 34. I, I love this. The disciples, how much of it did they understand? <laughs> they didn't understand any of it. <laughs> its meaning was hidden from them. They did not know what he was talking about. Now, uh, I think from our perspective, that's a little wild. Come on, right? Like, he's predicted his death how many times? And they still don't understand? Come on. Right? Un you still, I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? Again and again and again, and yet they didn't understand any of it. That Greek word for understand, it's uh, suniami. Suniami. 
think of it this way. It's, it's to bring things together. Or if you're putting a puzzle together, to put the pieces of the puzzle together, to, to finally understand, to synonymy. But they couldn't synonymy, right? They can't comprehend. They can't understand what Jesus is saying. Now, again, for us, I think it's easy to ridicule the disciples for not understanding. It's easy to ridicule them for not putting the pieces together. But remember, these men, they are Jewish followers of Yahweh. Can, can we just remember that today? They're, they're passionate Jewish followers of Yahweh, and they are waiting for Messiah. They are waiting for Messiah who's going to come in. Come on, right? He's going to come in. He's going he's to be king. He's going to establish his kingdom. He's going to defeat all of Israel's enemies and establish his kingdom. So even coming to Jerusalem, you've got to remember this. You might want to write this out. They thought they were coming in for his coronation, not his crucifixion. They, they cannot comprehend this. In fact, we're told it was hidden from them. They didn't know any of this. They had no clue what he was saying. It was the furthest thing from their mind. Now, this is fascinating to me because as you keep on reading the Gospels, and I would encourage you to keep on reading the Gospels, we have the daily reading plan. Sign up, get connected. If you want to get connected and you're just like, man, I don't know the internet, but if you have a phone and can text, I want you to text our phone number right now, 253-896-5433. Just text us, 896-5433. Say, I want to be on the Bible reading plan. We will get you connected to that thing, nothing like the Word of God. But we know when you read a little bit later, on the road to Emmaus, this is a portion of Scripture we're going to cover this spring, actually. But on the road to Emmaus, Jesus is walking and talking with two of his followers. You remember this story? And it says, this is so powerful, it says that their eyes were opened and they finally recognized who Jesus was. Again, this is after his resurrection. Just a little bit later, Jesus shows up to the 11 disciples. And at first, they think they saw a ghost. You remember this scene? They think Jesus is a ghost. But after showing his hands and his feet, and, by the way, after having a meal, after eating some fish, look at what Jesus says. He goes, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So he is reminding them of, think about it this way, he's reminding them of all the times he had predicted his death. But then, verse 45, then he opened their minds. Just like Ira Falcon wrote on our Bible reading plan this morning, from this scripture, because this is from today's reading plan, then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he tells them again, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer, will rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. See, after the resurrection, church, he opened their minds so that they could understand. When Jesus opened their minds, they could synonymy, right? They could understand. They could put the pieces of the puzzle together. And you see this idea of understanding it even unfolds in greater measure in Acts 2 as the Holy Spirit is poured out on the believers. And I just want you to track with me on this. With all that you've faced recently, I, I want you to think of it this way. And I'll, I'll give you two thoughts. Aren't you thankful first? Aren't you thankful for a God who has a plan? <laughs> aren't you thankful for a God who's not tossed to and fro by the circumstances of life. He, he wasn't some God who accidentally got crucified by an angry mob, but no, he has a 
plan. He willingly, intentionally lays down his life. And even now, in our current climate, you can be encouraged. He has a plan. He is strategic. He is intentional. And he is unfolding his plan according to his perfect will in his perfect timing. I hope that challenges you in the words that are actually coming out of some of your mouths these days. Be encouraged that God has a perfect plan according to his perfect timing. Again, aren't you thankful for God's plan? But secondly, aren't you thankful for a God who by his Son, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has opened up your eyes and your mind to see and understand? Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful for amazing grace? I once was blind, but now I see. We once were blind, but now we see. Why do we see? Because of a resurrected Christ, because of what Jesus did on the cross and what he did in that grave, we do not blindly walk through life without understanding. One of the great privileges, one of the great gifts of being a follower, I don't even know if you knew this about you, but I just hope you can hear this today. One of the greatest gifts and privileges of following the resurrected Christ is that he has opened your eyes and opened your mind so that you can see and understand. Some of you didn't know that. Some of you are acting just like the world, blindly walking around, all afraid. You are a citizen of heaven, a child of God, a follower of Jesus. And he said, son and daughter, I want you to see. Son and father, I want you to understand. Do not act like the world. You are not a mere human. You are a Christian. Amen. Man, I love you. Praise the Lord. You can be confident. Are you confident? Man, there needs to be a confidence that just stirs back up in the church. Right now, I'm, whoo, I'm feeling it today. I'm excited today. And, and I, I hope that the Lord is just shaking you a little bit today. He is accomplishing His plans. He is accomplishing His purposes. Be encouraged. He's going to do what He said He's going to do. I want you to try this. When it all feels like it's a little bit too much, and you're human, so there's going to be times when it all feels like a little bit too much. It happens. But when you're feeling trapped, when you're feeling scared, when you're worried, when you're feeling defeated, when you're feeling like giving up, would you just re- first just remember the powerful weapon you have in prayer? Powerful weapon you have in prayer. And begin to pray to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, give me new eyes to see. One of the best prayers you can pray. Lord, just, I'm walking blindly. Lord, give me new eyes to see. Lord, I'm having a tough time hearing your voice. Give me new ears to hear. In fact, even while I'm talking right now, some of you, you feel like you're drowning. You just need to begin to pray this uh, to the Lord. Just give me new eyes to see, new ears to hear. Lord, would you renew my mind so I could understand because I'm confused, but renew my mind. Renew my mind. Renew my mind. Lord, would you remind my heart right now that you are faithful? Would you remind me that you are true? Would you remind me, would you increase my faith that I could trust in you, that all your promises, all of your promises, every one of your promises, they are yes in Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go to the Lord in prayer. Go to the Lord. Ask Him. Allow Him to open your eyes and give you understanding. Remember who you are, church. And then before we move on, I also have to say this. In Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, yes, you have been given that ability to see and understand. But could we just be a little bit careful about judging too harshly the non-believers around us who still do not see 
and who still do not understand. Church, they can't understand. Why are you so quick to judge them? They, they can't understand. The Bible is very clear that the person without the Spirit, without the mind of Christ, they consider the things of the Spirit. Paul says, you know what they think of those things? He says, foolishness. They think of them as foolishness. He says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, they can't understand the things of God because why? They are only discerned. The things of God are only discerned through the Spirit. But they don't have the Holy Spirit. So stop judging them. They can't understand. They don't have the mind of Christ. Instead, let's try this. Could we try this? I think this could be exciting for 2021. Instead of judging them, could we love them? Let's love them. I mean, it's God's position to judge. It's our position to love. Love them. By the way, when you love them, your feelings might get hurt. Just want to encourage you in that. But can we be a little tougher than we've been in the past? Because your job is to love them, and they might reject that love. But Jesus, newsflash, he himself says in Luke chapter 10, he says, By the way, those who reject you, they reject me. You remember when he said that? But listen, he also said, but those who listen to you, we're always about the rejection part because we feel, you know, hurt, you know, kind of hurt. Oh, man. No, listen, he said, some of you, some of you are going to speak the name of Jesus, going to speak the good news of Jesus, and somebody is going to listen. Church, are you willing to face rejection for those that are actually going to listen to you? Are we? Like, are we? I hope we are. I hope we are. I, I was praying dangerous prayers this week. It's like, God, nobody's stealing my joy. No grumpy Christian's going to steal my expectation of your move in 2021. No kind of stubborn Pharisee attitude is going to keep me from preaching the good news of Jesus. I'm going to believe that though some will reject me, I'm just going to believe as they reject me, they've rejected you, but some are going to listen. And for those that are going to listen, I am so excited for them. Because those people that are going to listen, they get to hear what? They get to hear about radical, unfailing love of God. They get to hear about the good news of Jesus that took you out of hell and brought you into heaven. They get to hear about eternal, everlasting life and abundant joy, exceeding joy. I, I just, I, I just got excited this week. Like somebody's gonna listen. I felt that today. Somebody's gonna listen, and it's not gonna be about me and what I get to do for the Lord. But I get to preach the good news of Jesus, so you can receive what the Lord wants to do in you and through you for the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, in fact, this isn't even in my notes. I was thinking about it. When has that been silly? If Jesus came to those twelve and they got together and they heard the good news and they were just feeling so free. They said, well, this is great. And then they just kind of sat there for, I don't know, 30, 40 years and then died. And 2,000 years later, we wouldn't know anything about them. But boy, did they have a good life. It was comfortable. Jesus was healing them all the time. He was giving them, you know, meals. They didn't have to fish anymore. He was like doing miracles. Good 30, 40 year run on earth. Praise the Lord. Me, myself, and I, real happy. No, church. He saved them. He rescued them. He empowered them. And he sent them. And because they were sent, we right now have experienced the good news of Jesus in our own life. And my life has been radically changed by the good news of Jesus. But what am I going to do with that? I mean, am I just going to sit around for the next 30, 40 years? Like, oh, I'm just so happy. And I'm saved by grace. And oh, I just love Jesus. 
Or am I going to let my life be poured out like a drink offering so that many sons and daughters will have eternal life in Jesus? How am I going to live my life? How about you? How are you going to live your life in Jesus? How, you, how about you, right? One day, we all die. Newsflash, 100% of us. Boom, just like that. It happens to every one of us. But what are you going to do with your time on this earth? What a tragedy that would have been if those 12, I guess you would have found another 12 because that's not Jesus' plans and purposes. But can you imagine if they would have just said, well, this is great. Let's build ourselves a big castle and just stay in the castle so we can be safe and comfortable. Or no, we get sent out. Whew. So good. So Jesus predicts his death. The disciples don't understand. But they continue their trek to Jerusalem. They're about to get to Jericho. Jericho, this is going to be good. Can't wait for this story. Verse 35. You've heard it before. Jesus approaches Jericho, a blind man sitting by the road. He's begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked, hey, man, what's happening? They told him Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. He calls out. In fact, this is the call of every one of us, isn't it? Let's say it together. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way, they rebuked him. Like, be quiet. They shouted all the more. Say it with me, church. Son of David, have mercy on me. Stops. He orders the man. Come over here. The man comes near. Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. Jesus said, receive your sight. Faith has healed you. Immediately. Immediately. I love immediately. That's such a good word. <laughs> immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they praised I love this scene. I, I love what our own Marcy Mayer wrote about this scene uh, this last week in our daily reading plan. This is what she wrote. She said, persistent faith. Persistent faith. She says, the blind man could have listened to the crowd. He could have stopped yelling. But he persisted. And he was healed by faith. She says, I love this. She says, may I persist in prayer, even if those around me say there is no hope. Isn't that good? May I persist in prayer even if those around me say there is no hope. Her, her words were so powerful to me because in this story, I mean, you can only imagine what life must have been like for this man. And even when he begins to speak, I mean, he's quickly rebuked, quickly rebuked, quickly rebuked. But this man, he knew his deepest need, right? He knew his deepest need, and he didn't let others get in the way of what he needed. If you remember my message from last Sunday, I had four points on the board, and the first point was be persistent. Be persistent. What a timely word for the church. Be persistent. Because in many ways in our culture, I think many people are giving up. They're giving up because they feel beat up. They're giving up because they feel beat up, and when you feel beat up, guess what? That's when you begin to lose hope. Hope. What a dangerous thing begin to lose hope i mean without hope it all comes crumbling down right With, without hope that's when you succumb to temptation without hope that's when you indulge in too much wine too much alcohol we've seen the stats of what has happened in the last year of just 
uh, the alcohol consumption. Without hope, that's when you run into sexual immorality. Without hope, those things that maybe once were controllable, once were manageable, areas of anger, divisiveness, areas of hatred, areas of discord, now it's just running rampant. They're out of control. Why? Because you've lost hope. But after such a season of being beat up, of feeling like things will never change, it's so important to look at a story like what I just read and let it challenge you. Be persistent. Do not give up. In fact, you might, you know, you ever, when you really want to write something because you really think it's good, you might want to write that in all caps. Just like, be persistent. Don't give up. And then if you really want to make the point, what do you do after that? Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Be persistent, don't give up. You know why? Because if Jesus walks by you, guess what you got? You got hope. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how hard it is. If Jesus walks by you, guess what you got? You got hope. You got hope. If Jesus enters the room, you've got hope. If Jesus is part of your equation, you've got hope. If Jesus is in your life, you have hope. So don't give up. Be persistent in your cry to Jesus. Even if they rebuke you, even if they mock you, don't give up because Jesus, Messiah, the resurrected Christ. You might want to hear this today. Jesus, Messiah, the resurrected Christ. He doesn't just bring you hope. Jesus is hope. Jesus is hope. And that's why we sing, right? Oh. You ever been there? You're like, man, I'm messed up. <laughs> but then, oh, Jesus, Jesus, son of man, Messiah. Heal me. Rescue me. Jesus. Hey, you shut up. No, no, no. You're the answer. You're what I need. Jesus. 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 Church, be persistent. Don't give up. Run and cry after Jesus and watch what he will do. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, what does this look like? Right? What does this look like in our modern day? What does this look like in your life, with your complexities, of your situation, in your job, with your family, your neighborhood? What does it look like? I want you to think about this. And no one knows. I don't know. The person next to you don't know. But, like, where have you been tempted to give up? Right? Where, where is that place where you've begun to lose hope? And, again, you, you wouldn't dare put it out on Facebook or anything like that. But you just know, like, you've begun... To be tempted to lose hope. See, we don't know how long this man had been blind, if it was from birth or if it came on later, but he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth passing by. He believed that Jesus could heal him. He knew those prophecies of Isaiah. Remember Isaiah? He talked about that Messiah would come and he would bring sight to the blind. He calls him the son of David. Son of David, that would be a messianic term. He believed in Jesus and who Jesus was. And then Jesus even says that he was healed by what? Remember what he said? He said, it was your faith. That healed you. So how about you? Or how about me? Do, do we still believe in the power of Jesus to heal? I mean, do we really still believe in the power of Jesus immediately to heal? Immediately to restore? And yes, you've walked through a lot. I, and let's not pretend you haven't, but bring it all in just for a second. Whew, that's exhausting, right? But just bring it all in with everything that you face, everything you've walked through, the hardships, the obstacles, the challenges, the loss, 
But church, do you still believe in the midst of it all? Even if you have faith uh, at the size of a mustard seed, I just say, could you be persistent? Could you not give up and begin to exercise that faith? Life spring, where is our faith? Where is our faith? I, I said this on Tuesday night in our Alpha group. I said, I usually have a pretty good reading on the faith that is in the room. Not that I'm perfect in this, but even on a Sunday morning, there will be times when I walk through the doors and I can just discern whether there is faith for healing. I can discern whether there is faith for deliverance, whether there's faith for people to be set free. And so I want to challenge us, especially the Christians in this room, especially the Christians watching on Facebook. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to stir faith up in you again? If your heart has grown cold, His kindness leads us to repentance. Repent and allow faith to be stirred up in you again. If your mind has begun to just entertain thoughts that you know are not of God, if if you've been to entertain thoughts of doubt and, and if fears are controlling your thoughts, if you're struggling to go to sleep at night, if you're addicted to the news channels, just would you allow faith to be stirred up in you again, where you would take every thought captive, making it obedient to Christ. If you jumped into unhealthy, destructive patterns of sin, it's not only harming you. You think sometimes we're like, oh, just, just, just me, just my life. No, it is more than you know, it is harming those around you. It is harming your friends and your family. Allow faith to be stirred up in you again. And if you're like, Pastor Dan, I don't even have faith. My faith tank, it's empty. Well, then ask the Lord for faith itself. Here I am, empty. I was just talking to a guy the other day. He says, I don't believe in that stuff anymore. That was the beginning of a very long conversation. Because we were able to talk about that being the perfect place to be for God to just begin to stir you up and begin to fill you up and to give you faith that you could believe once again. Don't give up. Remember who you are. Remember who you are as a people who follow Jesus. We're a people of faith who have been given understanding and eyes of faith. And even if the world rebukes you, even if they mock you and make fun of you, and they will, shout his name even louder. Jesus! 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 Cry out to Jesus and watch what he will do. This time I want to invite the worship team Back up to the stage. Oh, man. Church, I, I'm... Just trying to keep myself together, if I'm honest, because there is faith in this room today. There is such a move of His presence in this place today. And it's so beautiful to me. I, I think it's the perfect time for us to simply cry out to Jesus again. Let's not overcomplicate this thing, right? Can we just simply cry out to Jesus again. Can we receive what Jesus has done for us on that cross through the grave? Receive that glorious salvation that also includes wholeness and healing.
I say it this way, and you've heard this before. This isn't something I came up with, but let it salvation go from your head to your heart, right? That your salvation would transfer from just being an intellectual decision that you made 20, 30 years ago, right? But it would flow down to your heart. It would be a true transformation of your heart from the inside out where it isn't just fire insurance keeping you from hell, but it is complete. It is radical healing in the name of Jesus that you could live abundant, joy-filled life with so there are people right now all over this sanctuary. There are people right now on Facebook, right now on our website. Right now, what you need, you need Jesus. Some of you, you need Jesus for physical healing. Some of you, it's a deeper spiritual healing. Just this week, I was praying to God. And I said, God, in the mighty name of Jesus, would you bring healing? I was praying healing over myself. Would you bring healing over my body? All those places where the enemy thinks he can keep me in bed or keep me down or keep me discouraged. Right now, I said, in the name of Jesus, I, I, I believe in the healing that you gave me on that cross. Church, he predicted his death so many times. Did you, did you know that he actually went through it? Did you know that he actually went through with what he predicted? He went through his death. He went through his resurrection. And right now, he is seated at the right hand of the Father as the resurrected Messiah who has defeated sin and death. So however you entered this room today, you can leave this room saved, healed, delivered, made whole as you cry out to the resurrected Christ, the resurrected Messiah. So as we sing this song, even if you're watching this on some kind of replay, I just, if you can, just stay with me. Just stay with me. Hold on, right? Don't tune out. Don't pack up. Stay with me. time when music was playing or anything. It was an awkward time. 
I don't want to make this too awkward, but there's just something about coming before the Lord. And it's and it's just you and him. It brings heal and it's you probably bring in healing where you don't even ask for healing. You ever had Jesus do that for you before where he works in a place that you don't even ask for healing? That's how good he is. That's how amazing he is. Like he knows what you need more than you know what you need. And he just begins to minister his love over you. for anybody, then nobody gets healed. But if we pray for everybody, some will.